So, um, you're looking remarkably awake for this time in the morning. I know. It's <laughs> happened since the move. I, you remember I said I was turning into you, yeah, basically. I do remember and I have, that. Yeah. I, I'm sort of waking up early and lively and without the use of caffeine, although I have got some now, but, you know. Um... <laughs> have you started being unbearably happy to Claire? No, no, I certainly haven't gone that far. <laughs> Rachel told me off for that just the other day. <laughs> <Did> she... <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, so it's very early in the morning and here we are. One of us at least is unbearably happy. Welcome everybody to episode 254 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. My name is Nick Page. There is the unbearably happy Joe Davis. That was absolutely brilliant. Well done. You see? Yeah. See? That's it. That's what happens when we, when we go in the morning. That's to get up earlier. Oh, oh man. Fantastic. Well, welcome. I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm a little bit stunned. I think we should just stop the podcast there and end <laughs> on a high. That's, that's, that's the end of the series. That's it. We're, we're done. We're done. Um, yes. yes, well, here we are. Um, and uh, church notices, I guess uh, the Chris Scott event is the church notice. Yeah, we're we're up to, I think, probably about 20 people now. So uh, but if you are planning on coming, please do uh, just reserve your place. You don't have to pay for a ticket. It's donation only, but it'd be great if you did. And, um, you know, we'd, we'd love to see you there. But it'd be useful to get an idea of numbers because we, and this is the other notice, are going away, but not together. We're having a bit of a break, aren't we? We're, we're having a trial separation, I like to call it. A holiday is the other way. <laughs> That's the other way of putting it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so basically the next two episodes are interviews and they will go out in a fortnight's time. Uh, there'll be two-week gap between each of the next two episodes to allow us time off, basically. Yes, so September, in effect. Yes, so that's it. But they're two great interviews. Uh, so one with the fabulous Dr. Alison Mayo. We're going to be talking about the Enneagram. That one's a little bit longer than normal. And then the lovely uh, Joanna uh, Wood, who wrote this book, In Search of Stillness. And um, and so I'm just talking to her about that. Um, and that's a shorter interview. Great. So it balances out at a normal length overall, average is out. I, I think overall, exactly, yeah. And if you want one every week, you can just pause it. <laughs> yeah, or go back and listen to some of the old tosh that we <laughs> put out yeah. over the years. Anyway, yeah, so uh, apologies about that, but uh, we both need a bit of a break. Mm. Um, anyway, so how are you? I'm all right. You know, I was just reflecting on how happily old I'm getting because I <laughs> we met friends... Uh, at Wisley Gardens, you know, the uh, RHS place off the A3. Mm. And um, what a wonderful day we had just just going around Wisley, looking at the plants and flowers. And just genuinely in my element, I absolutely loved it. So there you go. I'm unashamed of my, uh, you know, midlife slash way post midlife uh, enjoyment of those kind of things that I suppose as a 20 year old I'd have turned my nose out of how sad people just looking around gardens all day it is funny isn't it I was thinking about this the other day you know when you're when you're young and the punishment is no you can't go to the party if you be like that you can't go to the party and you have to go to bed early yeah well that's that's a bonus now isn't it yeah that's a dream come true that's that's a reward <laughs> It's true. 
Yes. My ideal night in. So, you know, yeah. No, I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love all that. Yeah. yeah that's so funny. Garden centres, all the old stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm into it. I'm into it. Yeah. What else? Oh, well, it's been a very busy season, as you know, uh, surprisingly for me. Um, wouldn't have expected it to. So, yeah, looking forward to a break. Um, going down to Bude. Um, spend some time there. So that would be lovely. Uh, but perhaps most significantly of all is what's happening uh, around about one o'clock today. I am heading off to Loughborough because there I'm going to be performing tomorrow the wedding ceremony for two listeners. That's no. why I'm doing it, because they're listeners and uh, I'd like to say they met through the podcast. It's not true, but it makes for a more romantic story, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and we could leverage it as a dating agency as well. Anyway, it's the fabulous Josh and Sophie. And uh, I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled to be doing that. So um, that's what we're doing. I'm less thrilled about the journey around the M25 up to Loughborough, of course, and back on a Friday. But... Uh, but how wonderful it is going to be to be at that particular event. So, um, yeah, there we go. Well, many congratulations to uh, Josh and Sophie. That's, that's absolutely lovely. Yes, absolutely. Much love from us all. Uh, how are you, dear boy? Yes, I'm I'm badly in need of time off. Uh, mm. You know, it's, I, we've, I worked out, actually, it's been a year since I had any longer than a sort of weekend off basically because of all that's happened and moving everything so i think that takes its toll yeah and so I, i'm going in the opposite direction to you of course uh, <laughs> of course it wasn't planned that way but it's a happy blessing of god um that we're going to scotland we're going up to the Cairngorms. oh wow so um uh, do pray for our ancient car that it gets us there um <laughs> of course and indeed and indeed the ancient driver um yeah i went talking being ancient i went out for a cycle ride ah and i haven't ridden a bike in about 10 years oh, how did that go for you it, it it was a triumph joe it was a triumph <laughs> i i made it halfway up the hill outside my house uh, and then got off and walked a bit and then i <laughs> went all downhill into wantage and it was easy uh coming back was a bit harder but no it was it was really um it was really hard, <laughs> but fun. So I need to get back into that. I need to. I need to do that a bit more. So Bradley um, Wiggins need not fear. No, 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 no. I don't think I'll be um, entering any tours. I, I, to be honest, my my aim is just to be able to cycle to the pub. That's the deal. Really. <laughs> yeah, it's just high goals. Well done. Um, and yeah, we we've been working very very hard on the house as ever. But, but yeah. we took some time off last week. Just went out and had a picnic on the white horse. Um, not literally on a white horse. That would be no. uh, tricky. But uh, uh, we live near <laughs> uh, a place called Uffington where there's a white horse. Is there? Uh, carved into the downs above. above. Oh. Yeah, I'll take you there next time you come up. So it's I'd wonderful. Yeah. yeah, good. So that was really lovely being up there and seeing all that. And yeah, um, yeah, that, that's it really. Uh, just looking forward to 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 going away really. So we should uh, we should crack on. I feel. Yes, let's. Yeah, okay. So we we had quite a bit of feedback. Uh, a lot of people just uh, bringing in, say, uh, writing in to say thank you for uh, the interview with Lacey. That was great. Steve sent in a wonderful poem that he'd written. That was terrific. Uh, okay, so uh, let's start with Heather. Heather said, 
I did enjoy the interview with Lacey Finn Borgo and your discussion with her about patriarchy in the church. She says it reminded me of something I heard probably 10 or 15 years ago that the church is becoming feminized. The idea being that many congregations are majority women and a self-preserving minister will therefore play to that target audience, hence the proliferation of songs which appeal to the female psyche, such as portraying God as lover, casting God in a definitely male role but in a way which is designed to resonate with a predominantly female audience. This was seen as a bad thing, with statistics quoted that if a woman comes to faith, it is likely that she will attend church alone. But if a man comes to faith, the likelihood is, apparently, that the whole family will start coming, and therefore the argument runs we should be targeting men rather than women in how we design and structure church services and events. There's a whole lot you could say uh, to that about the commodification of God, but I just thought it was interesting. Until And until today, I'd never really spotted the patriarchal viewpoint it espoused. Mm. She said, looking forward to hearing what others thought of the interview. Thanks for what you do with the podcast. And she did add a PS, which I shall mention. She says, I love men's men and have many happy memories of childhood manning, or rather womaning, information hut on the beach with my parents, lifelong RSPB members. Also, I came to faith during a residential at Sizewell Hall, a little way down the coast towards a power station. Yeah, that's the Jacks that do that. Uh, you remember Stephen Jack from Oasis? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. His yeah. relatives run Sizewell Hall, so um, that's great. We love... We love um, we love Minsmere, and yes, that's interesting uh, reflections on uh, on that. Yeah, I remember all that debate, um, and I yeah. remember it was part of the sort of there was a whole nineties thing, wasn't it, about sort of men and getting mm. yes, more macho was. and doing things like that. Well, building fires in fields—that's well, how you was, get men. Yeah, yeah. and I, 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 a friend of mine went to a, a, a sort of one of these conferences, you know, men's conferences down in in a field near Swindon, I think it was, or something. Mm. I mean, you know, they asked me to go, but I, why would I want to go to a field near Swindon? You know, that's, <laughs> it's not an attractive proposition at all. And and I remember they did a joke at the beginning of this men's conference about about how uh, if 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 any anybody sort of came out and did interpretive dance, there's a sniper ready for them, kind of thing. You know, it's a kind of joke about you know. Yeah, sure. But my friend said, but what about men who like dance? Exactly, yeah. It it was playing into this thing. Um, and, of course, the irony, actually, about what Heather was writing about is that the church has always been majority women. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe not the, you know, 12 disciples on the whole. Yeah. <laughs> not a no, balanced thing. Not but, you know, from the early days, as far as we can tell, yeah. like Augustine sort of writes about how none of the men come to the church with the same faithfulness as the women it it's always been majority women i think and yet not actually giving them very much in terms of control or agency run Uh, by men for women yeah that's right so you know Mm. i think it's uh, anyway that's thank you for that email that's great yeah there's lots more we could say thanks heather okay and then phil wrote in and um and phil said this um Hi, Joe. Many thanks for a very thought-provoking interview with Lacey. I hesitate to add my two pennyworth, especially as a man, but foolishly offer the following, with the caveat that there is little room for nuance when attempting to write pithily on such a complex subject. So, here he goes. Lacey starts by helpfully making a distinction between the terms male-female, which relate to gender, and masculine-feminine, which relate to characteristics. For me, this is an important and helpful distinction that often goes unrecognised, but which perhaps got a bit lost in the subsequent discussion. 
It says, having said this, I have had discussions with a female friend who disputes the very idea of identifiable masculine and feminine characteristics, qualities or attributes, which would, of course, make considerations of such things a little tricky. Setting this aside for a moment, Lacey states that patriarchy is a male system, that is to say one based on gender, and this is of course absolutely true. Women face discrimination simply for being women. Patriarchy subordinates, subjugates and excludes over half the population, and that's wrong, full stop, regardless of whether there is anything distinctly feminine that is lost in the process. This having been said, is there anything distinctly feminine that is lacking in our theology, the church or society as a whole, as a consequence of patriarchy. I agree with my friend that no attribute is gender specific and that we are all of mix of what might be termed feminine and masculine characteristics. However, I do also think that across the population as a whole, there are attributes that tend to be seen more strongly in women than men and vice versa. And as Lacey suggests, some of that at least will be down to biology and physiology, not just social conditioning. If this is the case, then certainly any system that favours men to the detriment of women is inevitably going to be lacking in these feminine characteristics. But I think it's worse than this. Patriarchy not only, and of course most significantly, discriminates against women. It also, by extension, dismisses, denigrates and undervalues anything that is seen as feminine. In the end, neither women nor, to a lesser extent, men are able to bring and express their full selves, feminine as well as masculine, within a patriarchal system. And we are all the poorer for it. And that's mm. from Phil. And there's some brilliant comments there. And I do think I agree with Phil and his friend. And what do we what do we actually mean by masculine and feminine now? I'm not sure I know. I'm not sure I understood. I listened to the podcast by Ryland on masculinity and he interviewed, as you know, I think I said this, a range of people uh, from all sorts. He, he interviewed gay men. He interviewed very macho men who'd been at mm. war in Afghanistan and lost it. So he interviewed and he asked them, how's it? How are you feeling as a man today? And he asked some questions like, what does it mean to be masculine and everything? And what was what was so powerful about the whole series is nothing emerged, nothing in common, and nothing that you could definably say was masculine. There were a few ideas about sort of being protective, but that, you know, that's quickly dispensed because women are protective as well. So they could not really identify at the end of it because he was trying to speak into toxic masculinity. That is more identifiable, but it's much harder to say but what actually is the essence of masculinity. So um, I, I, I think that's a very interesting point. How about you? Yeah, no, I, I think that is interesting. I was just thinking about Jesus because that's the kind of man I am. Um, yeah, thank you for bringing us back to that. Thank you. No, but the, what was what I thought as you were talking was how the characteristics of Jesus, as we get mm. told, are, are what you might call feminine in in the classic sort of yes, you know, the whole gentle Jesus, meek and mild thing that you grew mm. up with. Um, and I think the church is a lot. Some people within the church, particularly in the, the background that we came from, had a, had a real problem with that. We were always trying to portray mm. Jesus as more macho. We were always trying yeah. to redress the balance. Yeah, you know, that's right. And, yeah. and and they were trying to sort of provoke Jesus into being more manly. You know, 
And I think Jesus would go, well, I've got a beard. What more do you want? But, you know, it, uh, yeah. there is an unhelpful sort of correlation between, uh, you know, certain characteristics and femininity and certain characteristics and masculinity that mm. that may be based broadly on sort of um, general experience, but also could be based on just cultural expectations and all kinds of mm. things. Um, what I think happens sometimes is that is that when uh, women express some of these characteristics, they are seen as being typically women. Mm. And then when men express it, it's becoming it's okay. I remember Gaz's mm. tears. Do you remember Gaz's yeah. tears at the yeah. Euro? Of course. You know, suddenly, suddenly, everybody, every man was crying all over the place. They couldn't stop crying. <laughs> everybody was getting emotional. It's fine, and that's good. That is a good thing. Yeah. But yes. it's curious that it took a, a Geordie footballer crying to make it okay for men to cry, whereas before it would have been seen as being girly. You they know. needed permission, yeah. And the other thing that I thought of, as well as thinking of Jesus, obviously, was the Bible, Joe. Oh, thank you. I've you heard know, of that, yeah. Do you know what? I've just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just bringing it all back. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Okay. Um, because, if you know, Galatians says this, there's no longer yeah. dual Greek, no longer slave or free, no longer male or female, which in Paul's world was the most radical, uh, almost offensive yes. thing that you could say. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. So if we're all one in Christ Jesus, in those, then Jesus has all those characteristics as well, I suppose. Yeah. Um, which, would, which would make sense if, if God, uh, you know, was fully present in Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, that's great. And I think there, there there is such a backlash, isn't it? There's this loss of identity for men, and I think you see it in the church. In the well, we better go into a field and create fire and talk about manly things and speak in deep voices in a manful way, you know. And that, and that sort of hankering after the past, when men had guns and women had bows in their hair, and they they stayed at home and brought up the children, and men went out and they earned money and did macho things. And I think. Because of that loss, people like Andrew Tate thrive in this world because they're they're trying to define this is what masculinity is, this is what a man is, this, and it's it, I mean he's fighting a losing cause. Although of course he will gain many followers who want that kind of simple, simplistic answers to the complex world we live in. Unfortunately, um, but yeah, I don't know whether you want to say anything about Andrew Tate. I don't really want to give him any airplay, but there you go. Well, I think that the anger comes out of a, fit, a sense of loss and defensiveness, yeah. you know, and and that what you cherished, what you thought you cherished is being eroded. Your values are going um, a sense of loss of power and control. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you probably never had much power and control anyway, but, you know, yeah. but you feel like you've got even less. So I think in all this discussion, the other thing that, uh, you know, in uh, in the email in um, uh, Phil's email he, you know, he starts sort of slightly tentatively saying, you know, can we actually speak on this? I have tried more recently, you know, to avoid defensiveness about yeah. who I am, how I am or, or whatever, because I can't change that. You know, I didn't choose mm. to, to, to be born a man. I, I, I sort of mm. came into existence one day and there was this stuff there and I didn't know that what, what it was for anyway. But there you go. <laughs> um, and, and, and so <laughs> I think... I think we want to avoid bitterness, which is what Lacey talks about, mm. about uh, we want to avoid defensiveness. And I think the other thing we really need to avoid is shame, really. Mm. Um, lots of bad things have been done by lots of bad people mm. and, and bad systems. And 
I have enough sort of guilt of my own, my own activities yeah. to keep me going. I don't need yeah. to feel shame for that. Instead, I I want to I want to try and practice hope, and openness and humility and and listen to people without being defensive. I think that's the, that's the real yeah. thing. Ultimately, I think it's about empathy. Can you really uh, empathise with somebody's situation and, and think yourself into those um, in, into their shoes? Um, yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. Anyway. So um, on a relatedly uh, theme, uh, Christine wrote in and said, I wondered, uh, she said, said, hi, Joe and Nick. She said, I wondered if you had an opinion on this Spanish football kiss business. Mm. So um, this is the head of the uh, FA in Spain, who at the the Women's World Cup, just after Spain had won, uh, he was, uh, well, he was lifted up in the air by one of the... uh, uh, female uh, football team and dropped on his feet and then he was just hugging and kissing her and then he grabbed grabbed her head and gave her a full-on kiss on the lips Mm. and it has started this extraordinary chain reaction and of course the frustration even for the uh, women's English team is all the all the publicity all the noise is about a man none of it is about how brilliant the football was I mean absolutely typical it was an mm. extraordinary final. We both both teams played well. Spain edged it, and uh, it was a it was a great advert for the women's game. And here we are talking about a Spanish man. Yes, I think you know. I don't know about that particular situation. I I think that what's made it more acute is there's a whole history, isn't there, within that team of mm. uh, feeling um, discriminated against and not valued and punished if they speak out and all this kind of stuff. So I think mm. I think there's an element of of um, you know the, the background there coming in. Mm. So I don't, I don't think I can comment on that. What I would say is that on one of the days when it was at its height, on the sort of front page of the Guardian website, there was that all that stuff up the top about the, the you know the Spanish FIA, mm. and then hidden a long way further down was a story about women and girls in Afghanistan who are now not only denied education within their country but are being denied the right to even to travel outside to get education. Yeah. And so I do feel that sometimes, and I, yeah. again, I don't, I don't want to talk about this particular situation because it, I'm sure yeah. it's uncomfortable or I, I, yeah. I, I you know, I, I, I'm trying yeah. not to, I'm trying to balance it, but I do feel there's a comfortable kind of outrage or there's an easy outrage. We can get yeah. outraged about this thing because we can possibly change that, you know, let he'll get sacked or whatever, or, you know, the, but actually, all around the world, and I know this from my other part of my work, you know, w- women and girls are being trafficked and oppressed in terrible ways. And that's a much more harder, much more complicated thing. And we don't care so much about that, yeah. Well, it, it's just harder, isn't it? It's more complicated. Yeah. And where's the outrage about that? Where, you know, um, I think it might be good for all of us to choose something difficult to get outraged about sometimes yes, and um, sure. and and try and do yeah. something about that because I think that's that's harder work anyway but, that, that was all no 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 so my reflections were just that we this was this was the sort of by comparison to other allegations that have been made um this was the relatively um, small straw that broke the camel's back 
yes in yes, terms of so. you know what's going on with women in spain and how they're being treated and everything else and so yeah it seems like an overreaction to that particular incident at times the way it's rumbling on but i guess the more serious matters underneath really do need addressing yeah so it's it's not that just that incident yeah i think it, uh, i think that's a good point we shouldn't be seeing it just as that bit it's, no it's sure. a whole history of stuff isn't it yeah but yeah, um, I, I mean on a related note i mean christian did go on you, you know there, there is sort of questions about i wonder now in church i mean i don't go to church and everything but so much now but you know how you greet people you know like in, in my i'm a bit of a hugger and i i suppose i hugged people but i wonder if the more appropriate response now is to is to check with someone yeah i, I i'm thinking it probably is hey are we hugging there is there is a lady at salt place and you know i remember i remember asking do you do you prefer to because she seemed a bit standoffish and i didn't want to go in mm. for a hug if, you, if that's something that makes someone so I asked her and she said, oh, no, I love hugs, which really surprised me. <laughs> so I think I, I wonder whether we should learn to check what's appropriate. It's, it, it, I don't know. It feels a bit awkward, doesn't it? Well, isn't it? It's, it's one of the sadnesses of it. Yeah. That actually, you now have to kind of uh, uh, overthink it in some respects. Yeah. You can't, it's it, you, there's a there's a sort of loss of innocence because some people have never been doing it innocently. I think that's the yeah exactly the yeah. I mean, no. it, that's always been a problem as well. I remember there's a bit in John Bunyan about how um, he noticed that they used to give the practice of the holy kiss. You see, it, it, it um, his church, and he noticed that some people were going around twice and uh, and enjoying <laughs> it rather too much. And so I don't think that's new either. Actually, I'm just I'm just thinking about it. for most people. I think for most women. I think I kiss them on the cheek. I don't. It's all my. It's all my male friends. I hug. I give bear hugs to. That's interesting. It's inconsistent. You are just the Spanish FIFA uh, head in another I don't guy, kiss on the lips, you? just on the cheek. Well, just because it's a bit less invasive than I. Anyway, well, right, I'm outraged. Right. I'm going to start a campaign now. <laughs> yeah, you could get a female hosting as well. That'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> Please, a lot of people. Okay. Simon says, uh, Hi, Joe and Nick. I always enjoy your podcast. I particularly enjoyed 251 and 252 on the good news. I found myself shouting out an affirmative amen as you both read out your attempts at defining the good news. Like you, he says, I've been on a journey to discover a more progressive, more affirmative, less arrogant and judgmental understanding of being a follower of Jesus. However, he says, I was left with a stumbling block as I listened to both your charters for being a follower of Jesus, which at the heart said, be a good person, be aligned to Jesus and his ways, because the early church seemed to have four absolutes that they were willing to die for. One, repent. Two, believe in Jesus. Three, follow Jesus as he is unique amongst the gods because of his resurrection. Uh, and four, join the community of faith, all of which combined to add up to more than be a good person and follow Jesus. How can we lose those evangelical dogmas uh, that we all have come to see as nothing more than dualistic thinking and ar arrogance, but retain the distinctiveness and cutting edge that the early church had? And then he's got a PS, but I'll come back to the PS. In a... Oh, OK. Uh, uh, yeah, very interesting points. Um, do you know, I don't think I disagree in any of those points. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I don't think I do. I think repentance is still it's still very important because I understand repentance as having a whole new mind, changing the whole way you think, yes. basing it upon a new reality that God's love is dependable and certain. And so 
you can you now need to rethink your life based upon that not on on the things that you were brought up with necessarily believe in jesus i think i i'm still up for that mm-hmm. i follow jesus as he is unique amongst the gods because of his resurrection uh, maybe i start to get a bit more awkward around that um and, and and is that true that's what the early church of course would have said mm, yeah yeah I think so. I think that's a reasonable way of saying it. The resurrection is at the core of the early church. The crucifixion yeah. and the resurrection. Yeah. Um, and then the, uh, what was the other one? Join the community of faith. Join the community of faith. Yeah, well, a community of encouragement. I don't disagree with any of that. I think it's I think it's um about what you mean by follow Jesus, I suppose. Yeah. You know, be a good person and follow Jesus. Probably in our good news. And I think I said this when we were reflecting on it. We sort of tone it down a little bit in terms of the demands of that, but I yeah. actually do think there is a cost to discipleship, and the, this is part of the costs, really. Yeah, and and repentance. It just begin, it depends what you mean by repent. If it just means say sorry, mm. that's a start, mm. but it's not the whole journey. It actually, sort of, I think the Greek word means a sort of turning around, doesn't it? It means heading in a different direction. Mm. Yeah. So so he asks, you know, how can we? Um, lose the the dogmas, the evangelical dogma. I think we, I, I think we reframe them. Actually, I think that's what's happened here. We haven't lost. I don't feel like I've lost those distinctives. No, no, I don't. I, I just don't. don't think I frame them in the same way as I used to. And I suspect lots of churches over history have framed them in different ways. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Well, should I come on to the PS? Go on then. P.S. He says, when is Nick going to write a book that sums up and helps frame all this progressive Christian thinking similar to A New Kind of Christianity by Brian McLaren, but with Nick's scholarly yet accessible style, it would be a flagship for us all. There you are, Nick. Come on. You're so lazy. Get on with it. All right. Um, I'll do it Thursday. <laughs> Thank you. Right? OK, <laughs> that's great. OK, have we got time for one more? think so yeah okay so uh claire sent this in and she said hi jonah she said this appeared in my facebook and i wondered what you thought about it and uh, i read it and then i wondered what you would think about it so it's by a chap called jim palmer now jim has said some great stuff and another beloved listener of ours jill has uh, often sent me some of his stuff it's really good but he says this god is not a belief system jesus is not a religion the good news is not a ticket to heaven Church is not an address. The Bible is not divine dictation. Heaven is not eternal Disneyland. Community is not a meeting. Ministry is not a programme. Questioning authority is not ungodly. Woman is not inferior to man. Being human is not a curse. Hell is not real. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Sinner is not our identity. Salvation is not eternal fire insurance. Conformity is not discipleship sexuality is not filthy tithing is not giving to god pastors are not divinely anointed prayer is not a magic wand theology is not absolute truth loving the earth is not satanic self-actualization is not self-worship faith is not a substitute for critical thinking the heart is not wicked self-denial is not holiness fear is not liberating pastoral counseling is not therapy Pretending at church is not true happiness. Whoa, whoa, Jim Palmer. He was having a rough day. That's yes. that's. He does <laughs> sound a bit upset. He? <laughs> he does sound a bit upset, and and it has to be said, I'm not a fan of just you you know the way this has come out all as negative rather than putting them in the affirmative. Um, 
But that's that's quite a list, isn't it? I think it's interesting. I agree with you. So I'm quite tired of negativity. Actually, mm. I don't think negatives are good, and that's mm. uh, although that is itself a negative. So uh, <laughs> I've just shot myself in the foot. <laughs> anyway, um, but I do think because negativity is just about things you hate, things you don't like all yeah. the time. And like I've said before, one of my hero, George MacDonald, um, said he refused to be called a Protestant because it was being defined by something he was against. He was protesting against. He didn't want that. He wanted to be positive about things. Interesting. And um, and so I, I sort of look through that list and I go, uh, yes, yes, maybe. Yeah, it may can be. You know, it, it, I think it's I think it's too reductive at points. You know, I mm. think, f- for example, uh, questioning authority is not ungodly. Well, it can be. Depends whose authority yeah. you're questioning, really. You know, <laughs> and uh, tithing is not giving to God. Well, it can be. Depends yeah. how you view it. Does it? Tithing is not mandatory, but if yeah. you tithe, then that's part of your giving, and you're really cheerful about it, and you you yeah. love what you're tithing. Well, why not? That's absolutely fine. So I think it becomes too... These kind of mantras become a little yeah. bit too reductive, I think. But actually, I, I'm with you, really. I think... Can't we say positive things, really? The, the world is full of negativity. I think if I was reading that right back at the start of the, the journey, you know, when I was cross-angry with church, questioning everything, I'd have gone, yeah! I, w- I would have just unequivocally loved it. I think, because he'd summarised everything that God is not a belief system. Jesus wasn't starting a religion. You know, it's not just about heaven and avoiding hell. And, you know, I think I'd have I'd have just in my enthusiasm run away and gone, this is brilliant. Post it everywhere. Yeah. I think now, I think because I'm so much about reconstructing, not deconstructing faith, I, I, I don't want to spend much time, like you say, in the energy of the negatives. I want to know, well, what what is faith in Jesus today in the twenty first century? What do we mean by God now? Well, you know, and and these old words that you know aren't aren't so readily available in culture like salvation and evangelism. Can they be redeemed? What do they really mean for us now? What does what does that look like? So, so I think it's a very interesting, amazing summary, and clearly a lot of work has gone into it. Um, but yeah. They're not not so keen on the negativity of it all. I'd rather it was framed. It would be much harder, I think, to do this in the positive because you couldn't be as pithy. Actually, being positive is always harder and less entertaining. You know, that's the <laughs> yeah. thing. That, that is yeah. true. You know, villains are always more entertaining than heroes, you know, on yes, the whole. Yeah. Uh, good and, point. But I think I've been reflecting what Lacey said such a lot. And um, mm. one of the things that really struck me was the difference between anger and bitterness. Yes. Um, and the the danger is anger can lead to this kind of statement, but anger can so often sound like bitterness and tip over into bitterness. And so anger has this purpose. But I don't think you want to yeah. I don't think you want to you know, it's, anger is a, it can be a good place to visit, but it's probably not good to live there. You know, yes. It, yeah. You, you need to sort of think, how do I make things better here? How do yeah. I be a force for change? Exactly. Um, anger yeah. is a really great and useful emotion. It's a rallying call to take action. That's what I think anger is. And that's why it's so powerful and so helpful to us as human beings. But it, yeah, the second it drifts into bitterness and staying there too long starts to damage you, doesn't it? Mm. 
Yes. And and the and the anger can be a pointer as well. I mean, you know, one of the things anger tells you is about yourself. Mm. Why are you angry? Uh, are you angry for a genuine reason? Are you have you got a real reason to be angry or or do you just feel frustrated and powerless yourself? Brilliant. And and so I think you need to step back from it and look at the root cause of it. Um yeah. Righteous anger is the old phrase, isn't it? Is it is it righteous or is it self-righteous? There's a difference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I that's probably enough, isn't it? I think it's more than enough. And uh, we're going to take a little break for a little while. So now is a very good time to say a massive thank you to everyone who's written in. Thank you so much for doing this. We are very dependent upon that. So uh, thank you to everyone who's written into the show. And thank you to everyone who supports the show. That's that's uh, very helpful for us. Um, we are both self-employed um, mm-hmm. to some extent, and so that's that's really useful. We we really appreciate it and find it tremendously encouraging. Yeah, and um, we will. Well, we'll be back in a sort of live kind of way. Uh, well, beginning of October, I guess now. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, have a have a good holiday. Uh, uh, well, you too. I'm I'm going to miss you. Oh, okay. <laughs> well that was moving thanks you're supposed to say i love you too oh yeah sorry uh love you too yeah <laughs>